This month we have been talking about knowing, and maybe you're sick of hearing the word knowing, but I want you to really discover this more and more. I'm probably going to bring it up from this day on forever more, because there are four knowings that are fundamental to what I believe defines our Christian walk. There are four knowings, and we've gone through this, and if you, if you want to hear the other three knowings that we have uh, talked about, you can go back to our website called northwestorlando.com, and you can hear the teachings there, or you can go to your favorite place where you get all your podcasts, and you can, you, you can uh, hook up to us at Northwest Orlando and, and see what we talked about in the last three weeks. And here's the four things that we've been looking at. The first one is knowing God. That is fundamental, foundational to everything we need to understand, to know God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. The second one is to know freedom, to know freedom in your mind, to know freedom in your body, that's where your emotions are, and to know freedom in your will, that's your soul. And then the third one was knowing the community of Christ. It's something that is very important to Jesus, that he wants us to be the bride, to be the ones that love each other. And he told us, as we talked about last week, that people will only be able to believe that he really is a good God by measuring how we love each other and how we love other people. And the last one that we're going to look at today is knowing your purpose. And we've taken it from a scripture and we've read this before, but I believe it's important to keep going over it. In Ephesians 1, chapter 17 to 19, it says, I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. Knowing the Father is what sets the foundation for our faith, knowing the Son and the Holy Spirit. Verse 18, I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened. What does that mean? It means that your heart becomes more free. You find more truth. Truth, in fact, Jesus said, the truth shall set you free. So become enlightened. Your heart, and it's always not your mind will be enlightened, but your heart will be enlightened. When your heart is at peace, then you've found freedom in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you to, which is what we're going to call, talk about today, the riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people and his incomparable great power for us who believe. So today, we're going to talk about knowing your purpose, knowing your purpose. When I was a child about five years old, some of you have heard my story before, but when I was about five years old, uh, I was actually a pastor's kid. My, my, my parents decided to become missionaries, and then they became pastors. And by, by no choice of my own, I became a pastor's kid. I mean, it was the last child of four children. And I remember waking up one morning, I came downstairs, and, uh, and I came into the, 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 the kitchen, and there was a couple in our kitchen, and they were sitting at the table waiting for breakfast, and my mom was cooking the breakfast in the corner. And so I kind of sat at the table, and they said, they spoke to me and they said, how are you doing today? And they spoke in a certain accent that made me go, what? They had an American accent, right? This is amazing stuff to me. And I'll tell you why it's amazing stuff to me. Because they sounded like Starsky and Hutch, right? Does anyone else remember Starsky and Hutch? Remember Starsky and Hutch? I love Starsky and Hutch. That was like the coolest. And when I was growing up, you didn't have a lot of American TV on TV. You just had these British-speaking people that sounded all posh and stuff, and, and they sounded like they had marbles in their mouth. But when the Americans came on, it's like, these guys are into fun. Yeah. And I love the Starsky and Hutch stuff because it's like Americans, are, they're bigger than life. They're like the Nephilim of our present-day age, right? They're just, they're just taking over the world, and they just know how to fix problems. And, and so Starsky and Hutch, they had this... One guy was with, either there were two cops and one had black hair and the other one had blonde hair and they just had really cool hairstyles and everybody thought they were cool. And they didn't have normal police clothes. No, no, no. They had undercover police clothes, right? They were called civilian clothes. 
And that was really cool. And I remember watching them on TV on Friday night. And then, of course, they had this really big car, a big red car. I mean, we had never seen boats that size when I was a child. Not, not in Scotland. These massive cars, the type of cars that are so big that when you want to get in the other side, you have to give yourself 20 minutes to walk around to try and reach the other side because they're so big, right? But when you're a cop, and you've got to try and get to the next emergency, you can't afford to take 20 minutes to, to, drive, to, to walk around that car. So what you do is you run up to the car, and then he would jump on the car and slide over the hood to the other side. Do you remember that? Remember that? that was so cool. I remember as a child trying it with my dad's car. He was not happy. And so they said to me, they, as they were there, they were sitting at the, the breakfast table. Uh, my, I was kind of bugging them with questions. And my mom said, stop annoying them. And they kind of, she kind of shooed me off. And they said, son, just one thing for you. Here's a dollar, right? That's how you said it. Here's the dollar for you, son. So, so they gave me, gave me a dollar. I remember having that dollar and thinking it was one of the coolest things I'd ever had. And I remember, I remember, I remember something in my heart said, one day you're going to America. And I remember keeping that dollar and... and and, and, and actually, I actually kept that dollar until the day, day I came to America when I was 23 years old and I was sitting here in church and I was sitting in the front row and I put the dollar into the offering because I said, God, you kept your promise. Now I'll keep my promise to you to, to follow you and to serve you. And when I was a child, I remember getting this, this, this dollar and just getting this voice in my heart that said, someday you're going to go to America. And later on, I remember going up to my mom and going, Ching. I said, uh, I said, uh, mom, God's told me to go to America. Now, that's the only language that I knew because I was, I was brought up in a, in a church. Did God tell me? I don't know, but that's what the voice went. I said, Mom, God's told me I'm going to go to America. And I was holding the dollar up to her, and she went, okay, that's lovely. Uh-huh. And that was it, right? And I'm like, okay, nice investment there, you know, real belief and faith in your little son there. Like that. Well, look at me now, Mom. I'm in America. <laughs> that's bitterness. Never mind. Okay. And so, and so here's the thing. I didn't get the news when I was five years old that I was going to be a pastor. I wasn't get the news of, oh, you're going to go to America and become a pastor. I didn't want to do that stuff. I wanted to be an artist. In fact, growing up, that's all I did was I painted and I drew and I did graphic design and I just wanted to be in art. And, and, I, and I even applied to go to art college and I was just too late getting in and all the spaces were taken and I was depressed. And I got to that place where I just didn't know what to do with my life because this is what I'd been living for was to become an artist. And I remember coming across an old man in my dad's church and he said something to me. He goes, well, instead of waiting around for another year till you can apply to art college again, why don't you just maybe go to another college and get you know, a year's worth of education? Maybe go to a Bible college. You should go to a Bible college because you're really into the Bible, aren't you? And I said, yeah, I like the Bible. And he said, then maybe you should just go for a year, study it, and then go to art college. Well, I never did. I went and got a degree in theology. But what I'm trying to get to is this. Something happened on that path to my purpose, and it was this. It was a, it was a nudge. When someone comes up to you and just goes, and just nudges you like that. It was a nudge. And I believe that most of us just need a nudge in our lives. If anything, most of the most significant or important points or parts of your life or moments in your life have been because there was a nudge. Some of you, the only reason you're married is because the woman that you married looked at you and went, ah, like that. And you're like, me? Yeah, okay, I'm in. Yep, right? And then then before you knew it, you were married, right? It's because you just need, that was me, by the way, right? I'm like, I need a nudge. So anyway, I won't tell you that story. Another day, right? And you just, a nudge is all sometimes we need. And when you get that nudge, it's like suddenly a whole world opens up. 
The question is, are you going to respond to that nudge? Some of your nudges are deep pain or deep trauma, but often, sometimes it can be because you were stubborn or you weren't listening, or, but sometimes it can be that these things came along and it was God nudging you, and you're like, God, I get the message, I finally give in. God has got a nudge for you. And here's some of the nudges that I believe that I wanna give you today about how to find your purpose. There are several things that I've discovered on this path to when I was five years old all the way up to 40 years later, and I'm standing here and telling you this. And the first one is this, that what you need to know about your purpose is your purpose was created before you. Psalm 139 verse 16 says this, all the stages of my life were spread out before you, God. The days of my life all prepared before I'd even lived one day. That's telling you that all the things that God had designed you to do, he already came up with that before you existed. He already had this amazing plan. He didn't make you and go, oh, what am I gonna do with this one? He didn't, he didn't suddenly make Mark Matuzic and go, I don't, I don't know what we're gonna do with this one. Hey, angels, you got a job for this guy. I don't know what we're gonna do with this one here. There is no one here who has been abnormally or accidentally made without there being a calling or a purpose in their life. Let me prove this to you. It even started from the beginning of time in Genesis chapter two, when God made the heavens and the earth. And it says this, now no shrub had yet appeared on the earth and no plant had yet sprung up. Nothing, nothing had come to pass of fruitfulness from the earth. Because for the Lord God had not, number one, sent rain on the earth, and number two, there was no one to work the ground, right? He didn't release fruitfulness and purpose yet until there was these two things in place. It continues, but streams came up from the earth and watered the whole surface of the ground. Then the Lord God formed a man from the dust of the ground and breathed it into his nostrils, the breath of life, and the man became a living being. The Lord God, in verse 15, the Lord God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to, what does that word say? To work it, to work it and to take care of it. God made a purpose and a potential in the ground before Adam came along. That means, I believe, probably the seeds were in the ground. Maybe the seeds weren't there, but God's plan was already in the ground. It already existed before Adam came along. In fact, if you look at all the six days of creation, you'll notice that the pasture existed before the cow was made. The sky existed before the, the crows and the birds were made. The sea was created before the fish were made. Eden, the garden, was made before God, Adam and Eve came along. That means that your purpose, your environment, your calling was designed and created before you came to pass. In fact, I believe that God has already planted these seeds in your heart. He has planted your purpose and your calling in your heart. They just haven't come to pass yet. Maybe some of you have discovered they're starting to come to pass, but what I'm trying to get to you is this. You have to know that that came first before you came along. So if your purpose was created before you were, then you need to understand this, that you were designed for a purpose. Ephesians 2 verse 10 says, for we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do, what does it say? To do good works, which God prepared in what? advance. Before you came about, you were designed to do something great. God has prepared us 
to do things in advance. I think this is really cool. I think this is life-changing stuff. Listen, if God has designed you for doing a purpose, then you have to believe that that purpose still exists regardless of if you have taken a wrong turn. See, many of us have probably looked at ourselves and looked at our lives and went, you know, but, but, but it has to be, you don't realize what I have done. You don't realize I'm, I'm now in my 30s or 40s or 50s. Or I, God can't use me much anymore. I've already, I've already set my path. I'm already stuck in my ways. In fact, I've gone a wrong way. I've gone, I, I, got, I, I married the wrong person. I got divorced. How is God going to use me? I got into drugs. I'm an addict. I've, I've gone through problems. I, I suffer with depression and fear and anxiety. How is God going to use me? Let me tell you, God already has a plan, and he has the power to make that plan work through you. Hello. Some of you are feeling like, it's like, it's like you have to get from here to Miami, and it's going to take us five hours to drive there, unless you're driving with me, then it's only three, right? Um, and some of you are like, yeah, but I'm actually way up in Atlanta. I'm way up in you. I am so far away from where God wants me to be. You can still get there. You can still make it. God has a fast train to get to where you need to go to. We need to accept the fact that, that God has already taken his, 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 he's already taken his step to come close to us through Jesus Christ. And by becoming Jesus, we talked about in the first week, by, by God becoming a human through Jesus, he taught us the behaviors of how we're meant to act as Christians. He's already taken the steps that he needs to take to come close to us. We need to take the steps to come close to God himself to just jump in and make it happen. We need to dive into it. God is in the neighborhood. We need to welcome him into our lives. It doesn't matter what detour you have made. You can get back on track and you can get back to the place that God has designed you for because God has designed you for a purpose. And if he's designed you for a purpose, then you need to know this. You need to become your purpose. In Genesis 2, verse 15, it says, The Lord God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to, altogether, to work it. To work it and take care of it. That Hebrew word actually originally comes from a root word which means to become. To become. That means go get it. You don't get it and then you go out and do it. That means you go out and do it and you get it. You get the becoming. You get the purpose. You develop into it. Don't wait for it. Even if you don't know what to do, just jump in because you'll discover your purpose as you jump into it. Don't wait until you understand things. In fact, the disciples were at a point. Jesus, believe it or not, most of us think he just had 12 disciples. He actually had 72 disciples. And one day, he was having a conversation with them, and he said, unless you drink my blood and eat my flesh, you can't be a part of what I'm doing. Now, he was speaking very spiritually, but he was pushing them. He was giving them a little, ah, a little nudge. He was telling them, listen, it's going to get difficult. We're going to have to go through the cross. In fact, you need to take up your cross and follow me. And this is going to get tough in the Christian walk. And he was giving them a little kind of nudge with his hips, saying, here's the next step. And 60 of them went, oh, I'm tapping out. I can't take this type of teaching. It was just a teaching and they got upset. Some of you probably have gotten upset at teachings. It's just teachings. It's not even that, that he did something crazy. He just said, here's my teaching. They went, oh, we're tapping out. But here's the cool thing. He turned to his 12 disciples and said, are you out too? Are you gonna leave me? Are you tapping out too? And this is the answer they gave. This is like the coolest answer I've ever come across. I love this answer. They basically said this, we got nothing else. That was it. 
They didn't say, oh, no, 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 Jesus, master, we understand everything you're saying. We totally get what you're trying to do. We, oh, yeah, we're so on board. And oh, man, if you've ever seen commitment, I'm the guy who's got commitment. I'm with you all the way, Jesus. No, they all abandoned him eventually. They just basically said, listen, Jesus, we got nothing else. We've left all this stuff. We've come up with better ideas and we've proven we don't have a better idea. You're the one who's got it. You're the son of the living God. And Jesus said to them, blessed are you, Peter, because only the father could have revealed this to you. He got the father's vision. He got the father's heart. And because he got the father's heart, he knew what he had to do, even if he didn't know what was gonna come ahead of him. Sometimes uh, I'll have conversations with people and I was speaking to a young guy lately, and, uh, and, and, and he's, he's, he's been very successful in life. He's, he's married, he's got a good job, he comes from a very good family, and, and uh, he's very well educated, a very smart young fellow. And he's like, I just don't know what I should do with my life. I don't know what my future is. I mean, I, I'm, I'm wondering, should I, I, I was just wondering if you can give me some advice, because I don't know if, should I go, and I, I want to be successful, so should I go become a part of a bank, or an investment banker, or something like that, or do something that feels like it's significant in life. And I said, what are you doing right now? And he said, well, I'm just, um, I'm working for one of my parents' companies. And, you know, it's been growing quite a bit. And I said, well, what's the problem with that? And he's like, it's just not what I see myself doing. It's not my, my calling. It's not my purpose. It doesn't give me a drive and an excitement. And I said, listen, if God wanted you to be someone else by right now, he would have opened the door already and made it obvious to you. And you'd be there right now. There's a reason why you're still in the place that you need to be in. And I'm telling you right now, you have the best opportunity to learn the things that God wants you to learn today so that when he does call you to go to the greater things, you've got the tools. Here's what's even better. You get to practice on your parents' company, right? If you mess up, it's not your problem. It's their problem. It's their company. If you get, you get to the, the top of the ladder and you have to step on the top of the ladder and you're the, the, the top of your company and you're the, the head, when everything falls apart, it's on your plate. But right now you're getting to work for this company. Listen, it's not about what place can I be in. It's about what vision can I see? What part of Christ can I see? What part of the Father can I see? Because right now, all you're doing is gathering tools together so that when God needs you to do something, you're ready for it. And if you don't get it now and you switch to another company, you're just gonna have to do the exact same thing you should have done at the last stage of your life. Does that make sense? Right now, you're just gathering tools. You're gathering skills because it's not the situation that needs to change, it's you that needs to change. Hello? It's what you see that needs to change. We need to become our purpose, which is dependent on seeing what God sees. This is important here because in Proverbs 29, verse 18, it says this, where there is no vision, the people perish. In fact, in the NIV, it says, where there is no revelation, people cast off restraint. How do I see Peter? How do I serve? How do I, how, do I, how do I see what God wants me to see? Let me tell you, it's really simple. Just jump in and serve. Just do something. And as you do it, you'll see it come before you. I didn't come to America because I thought, oh, there was great things here for me and this is gonna be a so much a better life. I had a wonderful life already in Scotland. I didn't need to come to America for a better life. I wasn't that type of immigrant. I came because God gave me a, ooh, a little nudge. 
In fact, I was at a conference one day, and I was at a conference, and, and, and I was um, listening to the speaker, and I, and I met him, and then the very next day, he came up to me, and he said, would you like to come and work for me in my church for a few months and see what it's like? And I'm like, yeah, I will. I knew that God had opened up the door. That was Pastor Mark on the other side of the door. He just gave me a little, ooh, little nudge. I could have said, nah, it's not my thing. Nah, I'm not ready for it. If you say it's not your thing and you're not ready for it, you're just going to have to go around the same mountain, learning the same skills and doing the same thing that God wants you to learn so that he can trust you in the next stage of your life. Hello! Many of you have been called. You felt the nudge. You felt the knock on the door. You felt, you've heard the car behind you going, eh, eh, when really the guy behind you wants to go, Dang. it's time to move. It's time to get off your smartphone. Pay attention to the fact that it's now a green light and it's time to move. It's time to go. It's time to go to the next place. It's time to rise up to your calling, to rise up to your purpose in life. Cast off the, 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 the worries of the past. Cast off the things that have held you back, the things that people have said, the things that have done. That's the past. Isn't it time to let go of that stuff? Isn't it time to forget what has happened? Isn't it time to decide that you're no longer defined by your past? Even if you're fired, you're not defined by your job because you can be fired from your job, but you can't be fired from your calling. You can't be fired from your purpose. You can't be fired from what God has called you and designed you to do because your purpose already happened and existed before you came along. Hello. Come on now. It's time to reach deep within ourselves and say, God, what is it that you're calling me to? All the great people that I wanted to be like, all the great men and women of God that I've admired and aspired to be like and be close to when I was growing up, and one thing I discovered is that they all had problems. They all had depression in their family. They all had division somewhere in their family. They all had sickness in their body. They all had problems like losing children or having death happen in their family. One of the men that I dearly loved that I went to be mentored by in London for many years, he was called to go to the worst part of London and to go serve in a, a, a Canning Town. And he knew that God had called him to go start a church there. And within the first week, his two-year-old son ran out into the street and a car ran him over and he was dead instantly. He didn't go, oh, I got problems now. I got, I got heartache. I've got, I got mourning now. I can't do what God's called me to do. I can't be a part. Listen, he said, this is where God has called me to, do, uh, to be. And so therefore, wherever God's heart is, that's where I want to be. You see, all the great men and women that I've ever come across, they weren't trying to become great men and women of God. They were trying to become the best sons and daughters of the Most High that they could be. Because being with the Father is the best place that you could ever be. And the fact is, wherever the Father is, Jesus said, you must clothe the poor, you must clothe the, the naked, you must feed the poor, the hungry, all these people, wherever they are, that's where Jesus is. Because if you're doing it to them, you're doing it to him. Hello. And there's one more thing I want to tell you about purpose, and it's this. That doing it, doing something with purpose brings transcendence. It means it goes beyond yourself and it goes above yourself. It's great that we have been blessed. It's great that we have learned how to run a business and raise a family. And these are all wonderful things. And I believe that God wants and needs these things for us to be and have a foundation. But eventually, you need to become the source of joy, 
the source of light for other people who don't have those things. You need to have a purpose that's greater than yourself, and it can start today. Many of you have heard of this. It's called Maslow's Hierarchy of Needs. You ever heard of that before? Maslow's Hierarchy of Needs. It's a very common thing. You see at the bottom, that they, uh, they found it foundationally and, and uh, basically, we all need food, water, and rest. That's psychological. It's stuff that we need for our body. Then we need safety in our lives. And then, then the third most important need is intimate relationships. That is loving and belonging to someone and to, to, to other people. Then the next thing we need is self-esteem, is the esteem to be able to feel accomplished. I've done something good, that feels good. Then the last one that was always on his list was self-actualization, right? That's achieving one's full potential. That's finding your skills and using your skills and realizing, oh, I'm really good at this. Oh, I'm really good at accounting. Oh, I'm really good at teaching. Oh, I'm really good at building things. That, that, that's self-actualization, right? But about 30 years ago, they discovered something else within society and within culture that actually superseded them all, right? And this is what it was. It was the ability to transcend beyond yourself, for you to not be the center anymore, for you to actually go serve other people with other people and help other people. And I'm telling you, a deep joy comes within you when you start discovering this transcendence. This is the purpose of God. In the beginning, he said to Adam and Eve, to multiply and to occupy. Go out and have more babies, he said. Now, many of us are having babies and those that can't have babies and don't have babies, you can still multiply yourself by telling other people about Christ. And then he said, occupy. That means go out and do something with the earth that I have given you. Do something with the community that I've given you. Do something with that beautiful house that I just gave you. Do something with that car that you have. Do something with that business. Do something with that connection. Do something with those gifts that I have given you and you have fashioned and honed over years. Do something greater than yourself. So today, I have a word for you if you haven't heard all the words that I've already given you. This is the word I've got for you today. This church is your church. This is no longer my church alone. People name this Pastor Peter's church or Pastor Mark's church. Let me tell you whose church it is. It's yours. You own this church. You own it. You own the stage. You own the screen. You own the microphones. You own the walls. You own everything. In the new church we're building as well, you own that building. You own it already. This church is only going to be whatever you decide to be yourself. This church will only become whatever you choose to become. What are you going to become? What is it that God has called you to become? What is your purpose? What is your calling? Some of you right now are feeling it. You know it. You know that God has already revealed those things to you. You've just not done something about it. And he sent me to give you a little boop, a little nudge, a little push. And if you don't even know what it is, don't worry about it. Just jump in and do something. See, here's my job. In Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11 and 12, it says, So Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, that's me, and the teachers, that's sometimes me, to do what? To equip his people for works of service. To equip his people for works of service of service. Maybe that's going to be your study this week. Maybe that's what you're going to meditate on this week. Read the rest of the verse. It's fascinating. We don't have time to get into it. But listen, God has called you for something greater. And my job is to give you 
a little nudge, to give you a little hip bump. God has given you a little hip bump right now, and I want you to pay attention to this. In fact, something that I've done is I've actually printed out sheets at the back. I asked my staff to, to put sheet, a sheet of all the teams that, are, that we have running in the church right now and put the, the name of the person that leads it, put their phone number, and if they don't have their phone number, then call the office or something. But I've asked them to print out a sheet at the back, and I want you to go back there as you're leaving and pick up a sheet and look at it and see, God, where do you want me to serve? Where do you want me to be a part? Now, there's service teams in the church and there's service teams outside of the church. You can be a part of both of those te- these teams inside the church and outside the teams. Many of us are, but so many of us have not found your purpose and your calling because you've not jumped in. It's time to jump in. The first four things that we talked about at the beginning of his teaching was we need to find God. We need to find freedom. We need to find the body of Christ. But that whole journey is not going to be completed until you find your purpose, to find what it is to do. I'll tell you this one last story as we're about to leave. I was speaking with a gentleman just at the first service. And this guy runs a very big company, very wealthy company. It's just exploding. And they build warehouses and they build, they build these massive uh, buildings. But recently he has been working on someone's house where the father has cancer and his terminal cancer. And he's about to die and he's got children. He's got a family and and all he desired was to, to have something good for his family, to leave a house that was in a fit state to live in before he left. And, he's, and, 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 and his boss heard it on the radio and he gave him a call and said, listen, we need to help this family out. And they had mold on their wall. And they went over to their house and they redid the roof, they redid their windows, they redid their doors, they stripped out all the, all the drywall, they put new drywall in, they're putting a new kitchen in, they're putting new flooring in. And I said, what feels better, building one of these huge warehouses for Walmart or helping someone build their house is about to die? And he teared up and he said, no match. It's helping someone else to find life. That's what you've been called for, to help other people to find life. You've found life. Let's give it away, give it away, give it away now, like the red hot chili peppers say. Let's give it away. We need to give it away. Let's stand as we finish our service today. Holy Spirit, we are asking for something to be stirred up inside of us, that whatever that thing is inside of us, that you have been nudging us on. I pray that we would pay attention to that nudge. We would pay attention to that nudge to feel the nudge, to do the next step, to do the thing, just to trust you without even knowing how it's all gonna work out, just to trust you, get involved and do it because that's where you are. That's where life is. Fill us up with your spirit, oh God. Speak to us clearly as we give you our attention. We give you our time. We give you our future. We give you our families. We give you our hope. May God bless you and keep you and make his face shine upon you.